Life Audio. Hey everybody, welcome back to Billy and the Goat, the show dedicated to helping you navigate life's challenges. My guest today, I am very fond of and love dearly. She is Deacon Evelyn Brown, born in Macon, Georgia. Living close to the late and infamous, dot, 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 we'll let her share that legendary person shortly. She spent the first 15 years of her life in Macon, Georgia, before relocating to Cleveland, Ohio, a graduate of John Adams High School, then Programming and Systems Institute Technical. Deacon began her 28 and a half year career with AT&T as a tape librarian. She reminds us that technology back then was not as sophisticated as today. Data was stored on magnetic tape, microfilm, paper tape, disk drives, and punch paper card, all of which I remember. Today, it's all stored in the cloud. My have times have changed. After moving up the ladder all the way to to telecommunications supervisor, Deacon Evelyn retired in 1988. On to her second career in information technology with Nextel, currently known as Sprint Nextel, where she was eventually laid off in 2005. Nevertheless, she landed on her feet once again, this time in the fitness industry at the YMCA. She started working out on a regular basis, participating in various fitness programs and classes at the local YMCA. Her spiritual journey started as a little girl surrounded by her family of strong believers of the Christian faith. Unfortunately, the move from Georgia to Ohio interrupted consistent daily and weekly praise and worship until landing at church in Alpharetta, Georgia. And then her late husband, Willie, accepted a job transfer to Washington, D.C. area, and this church search was on again. This time, God paved their way to MLK Christian Church in Reston, Virginia, where my parents, Reverend Jean and Clyde Pastor, Deacon's family of four, started there over 40 years ago. Today, Deacon Evelyn serves and attends without her late husband, Willie, and daughter, Anita, both gone too soon. God rest their souls. Deacon Evelyn, quite the journey. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good to good to have you. But look around you, your family, your faith. They're not in the way. They are the way. From the creators of Jesus Revolution comes the incredible true story. It's going to be dangerous and scary and giving up. It's not an option. The story of one family's journey from down under to center stage. Unsung hero of her king and country film starring Candace Cameron Bure and Terry O'Quinn. In theaters now. Visit unsunghero.movie to learn more. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So you started your spiritual journey as a young child. I mean, how old were you? Uh, I can recall back to age five. My mother was a church-going woman very strong in her Christian faith, always participating in activities at the church. Actually, you know, my brothers don't recall this, uh, but our mother sang in the choir, beautiful voice. Wow. And not a lot of people know this, but her choir director at the time was someone known to quite a few of us as Little Richard, real name Richard Penham. That's right. You told me about that. Yes, he was a choir director back then. 
That is before, amazing. Yeah, before he became famous in the musical industry. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Look, a lot of people don't know Little Richard, of course, right? But Little Richard was incredible, which is a nice segue into the person I hinted about. You want to reveal who that person was? Uh, not. I didn't know this for many years. My <clears throat> mother was very good at keeping secrets, as my siblings and I like to say. Mm -hmm. And we always joke that if she was a refrigerator, you would never have to worry about anything spoiling or leaking oh, out. Oh, my goodness. So what I'm leading up to is uh, for many years, my siblings and I did not know that our mother and James Brown were second cousins. Whoa. Yeah, we did not know that. And James used to come by my maternal grandparents' house quite frequently, as did one of his backup singers, who was Christine Brown, his sister. And, you know, for whatever reason, no one ever talked about that. We always talked about his touring, his music, right. you know, where he came from, where he was at that point and where he hoped to go. So, you know, my mother just never shared that. I guess she figured, eh, that's not important. The important thing is we're all family. We love everybody. So just leave it at that. Amen. That is amazing. I mean, most people, Deacon, I think would have to say, you know, they've never met one star if you will or legend and you knew <laughs> two <laughs> two. Yeah. two of them yes oh my goodness so let's go back to when you were a kid <clears throat> growing up and you started your 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 spiritual journey um along with your with your family um i'm sure you had some stressful times when you're growing up, do you remember how you handled those that those 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 moments or issues? Yes, I do. Um, some of the stressful times, my mother taught me a prayer, and it was really a prayer for bedtime. And she would always tell me, if something starts to bother you, and there's no one to talk to, including me, just recite your little bedtime prayer silently. You don't have to wow. let others know that you're reciting this prayer. Wow. And to this day, I still recite this prayer along with more to it. And the prayer she used to have me recite at bedtime was, Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Amen. Oh, my goodness. So as you can imagine, over the years, I have added to that. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. plugging in different things based on my experience and my Christian walk. So it just goes to show that oftentimes things that your parents teach you and instill in you, they never leave you no matter how old you get. Amen. That's fantastic, Deacon. I mean, as you know, of course, you know how powerful prayer is, you know, and that's yes. Probably most, it's the, it is the most powerful thing that we can do, you know, as Christians is to pray. And I just, that is just so insightful. And it's, a, I, it's just amazingly, um, it's amazing that your, that your mother, that you learn that at such an early age, you know, cause you can use that, you know, forever, of course. Yes. Um, yes. Are there any times more than others that you struggle with growing up where you use the prayer, you know, you use that prayer and then maybe things didn't happen as quickly as you would have liked? There, there were many times, you know, growing up that things happened that I didn't like, I didn't agree mm -hmm. with. And one of the biggest ones was relocating from Macon, Georgia to Cleveland, That's Ohio. Big. Yeah, because if you think about it, I'm leaving family that I grew up with that still to this day reside in Macon, Georgia, most of mm -hmm. them. But most importantly, I'm leaving all my friends, you know, from school. Now I have to go integrate myself into a new school system, new people, mm -hmm. and try and make friends. And can I tell you, that was not easy. And would you like to guess why? 
I don't have it now. Most people say I sound more Midwestern than Southern. Moving from Georgia to Ohio, I really had the Southern oh, accent. Wow. And the Southern mannerism, mm-hmm. meaning yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how mm-hmm. I was raised. Mm-hmm. And kids in school in Cleveland, Ohio thought that was the most hilarious thing they'd ever heard. So every day, I was the brunt oh, of some jerk yeah. or some type of ribbon. And just being in a new city, new school, new environment, not knowing what to expect, that in itself, very stressful. And then pile that stuff on top of it. I remember the first week of school, I came home and I told my mother, I was in the 10th grade by then. I told my mother, I said, I can't go back Mm -hmm. there. She said, what do you mean you can't go back there? So I explained what had happened. She looked at me, she said, did you say your prayer? And I was like, yes, ma'am, I did. She said, and what happened? I said, the kids thought I was crying. She said, did you tell them you weren't crying? You were praying to Mm -hmm. God? I said, yes, ma'am, that was even worse. The ribbon got even worse after I made the statement, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. praying. You know, because they're like, what are you praying for? You don't belong here. God's not going to help you. You need to go back where you came from. So, brutal. you know, for the for the first year from 10th grade until 11th grade, I had maybe two friends, one of whom was a step first cousin. Mm-hmm. And the other one was a young lady who was also from another place in Georgia. And we became friends because we had commonalities. We we're both from Georgia. Birthdays are about the same time. She was an only child. I'm the oldest of six, and we just bonded on that. And unfortunately, about three-quarters of the way into the year, her father, who was in the military, received another assignment, and her family relocated. So that dropped me back to the step-first cousin. And she wasn't mean, but she didn't outright own that we were cousins. You know, if someone would ask her in front of me, she's like, oh, she's just a girl in one of my classes that I met. And I just like, wow, it wasn't very nice. No, wasn't very nice. However, it still kept me grounded Mm -hmm. in a sense. And it kept me being who I was, meaning I didn't change to fit in. I stayed who I was and how I was And yep. And that was very important because that is one thing my mother always taught us. She said, I don't care who you come in contact with, what they do, where they go. Never change yourself to be someone that you're Amen. not. Oh, my goodness. And I learned, I learned that very That's well. fantastic. Now, these, now these, these lessons that you're learning from your mother, oh, my goodness, priceless. Did you, in turn have the same lessons and teachings to your, to your kids? I absolutely did. Uh, You know, my children, I instilled in them to be true to themselves, be Mm -hmm. who you are. Do not change yourself to be a part of this clique or this group or this friendship club. Because what happens is when you change yourself and you're over there, then you miss out on opportunities elsewhere because you're not being true to who Mm -hmm. you are. You know, and my kids learned that very well. I think my daughter, Anita, had a tough struggle with it. Uh, as a teen, she was a little bit on the heavy mm-hmm. side. And as you can imagine, you know, over time, what we have seen portrayed as the ideal mm-hmm. body, she did not match up with. And she would always, you know, want to find some way to, you know, lose 15 pounds or can I do Spot this, or, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, yes. You know, and we had to, you know, just constantly reinforce to her, you are okay the way you are. Love yourself and love your body as you are. And on the flip side of that, you know, just watch your eating habits. 
make sure you're getting plenty of exercise, which she did. She was mm-hmm. quite active, you know, mm-hmm. at school, softball, um, different things like that. And she was a member of the junior oh, wow. TC, which really helped her with her struggle yeah. with her body and her confidence of being comfortable. Right. That's with fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my son, same thing, um, as you know, because yeah. I work out with you. He's a piece of work. Week. Uh, yeah. My son, uh, he was a little on the heavy mm-hmm. side as well. And uh, I recall an incident at a program at his middle school. And uh, one of the little girls sitting behind me said, oh, you know, he's so cute. He just needs to lose oh, about 25 goodness. pounds. And my son heard that. And so that started his journey to eating right. healthier and also to working out. I'm telling you, Kevin, yeah. my son, sometimes he works out twice a day, but he works out every My goodness, single remember you told day. me that. Yeah, he's addicted. Yeah, and he, yes, he eats healthy. I mean, he is on, I'm on a plant-based mm-hmm. diet. That's right. With seafood, but he takes it to the point that he just strictly does plant-based he doesn't even add seafood no meat mm-hmm. no poultry mm-hmm. none of that well it's working very well for both of you so clearly you're doing something right thank you yeah thank you i wish you could he was here and you could take a look at him you know and people say well describe your son and you know as a mom i have to be careful because when i describe him you know people look at you with that look like yeah you're being biased well that's okay. Oh, You're allowed. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, bad mouth your son. <laughs> Who does that? <clears throat> yeah, he's about 6'2", and he's about 205 okay. pounds. And I'm sure when I say 205, people are thinking, oh, he's fat. No, no, we're talking muscles. We're talking big guns. We're At 6'2", you know. it's hard to be... Yes. Out of shape, overweight. If you're six two and only two hundred pounds, that's. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know it probably exists, but it, that's hard to do. That's fantastic. God bless him. Yeah, thank you. But yeah, he's he's very conscious about his health and about working out. And, well, uh, I can't. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. He just. Yeah, he just. You know, he makes sure that he takes care of himself. And I wanted to say this. You know, he. Not only outside, but inside as Amen. well. You know, he's a voracious mm-hmm. reader, so he's always reading and looking up self-help things. You know, trying to better himself. And you know, like all of us, he's had some struggles along Amen. the way. But I'm very proud of where he was and to where he is today. So the journey that he's accomplished thus far sounds a lot like his mama. I might add, just throwing that out there. Thank you. Deacon, along your journey, let's talk about your husband first before I ask that question. I know mm-hmm. when he changed jobs, he accepted that position in Washington, D.C. First of all, how did you meet? And yeah, tell us about your husband. Uh- we met in Cleveland, Ohio. My husband is originally mm-hmm. from Selma, Alabama, and he came up the summer I graduated high school to work that summer with his father. He was staying with his father and stepmother at the time, and he came up to work to earn money to go back to Tuskegee okay. Institute. And one day, you know, I happened to be uh, coming in from class, and uh, he saw me. We spoke. We, you know, his father and stepmother lived directly mm-hmm. across the street from us. And, you know, we started talking and he was asking, well, what do you do? And I said, well, you know, I just graduated high school. I'm in classes at Programming and Systems Institute Technical School. I said, he said, so what are you learning there? Are you going to be a secretary? And I was like, crazy? No, I, I'm not going to school to be a secretary. I'm going to school to there learn technical skills. And he was like, oh, so you're going to be Miss Computer Operator. I said, well, if that comes along, yes. I said, but I'm learning mm-hmm. to program mm-hmm. computers. And he was like, oh. So he, he called me Egghead. So <laughs> you're an Egghead. And, and I thought, you know, this is your first time. He's not bad in a thousand. 
why would you call no why would you call me an egghead because i have not given you that impression <clears throat> so you know he said you know i meant mm. egghead in a nice way mm-hmm. i'm like yeah okay and a couple weeks later you know he called and said i'm going to the movies would you like to go and i was like uh no i'm washing my hair but can i tell you i really wasn't washing my hair i just didn't want to go you had a rocky start didn't you Hey. <laughs> yes, we did. We did. I'm glad y'all worked things out. Go ahead. So being, yeah, but being the forward-thinking person that mm-hmm. he was, and you know, he said to me, he said, "Okay, next Sunday, this time, don't be watching okay. your because we're going to the movies." <laughs> uh, that was my response. Okay. Well, clearly things worked out. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yes. wow. Yes. Can I tell you? Third date. And he says to me, he says, what do you think about marriage? Third date? And I was like, marriage? I said, third date. <clears throat> and we're in the movies. First three dates was at the movies. And I said, you know, I don't have plans to get married. I want to travel the world. There are things I want to do. And being married is not at the top of that list. And he said, don't you think you could be married and do that as well? I said, I probably could, but I don't want anything to interfere with those plans that I have. So he asked me for a list of places I wanted to see. And I was like, why is he asking me for that? You know, and I was like, okay, just (laughs) him, you know, so he'll go away. (laughs) Right. So I wrote my list up and I gave it to him on the next date. Looked at it. Oh, lots of places. Yeah. Fold it up, put it in his pocket. And then, you know, after the movie, we stopped by mm-hmm. a little place to get a bite to eat. You know, we we're sitting there and he said, uh, I'd like to ask you a question. And I thought, yeah, okay, here we go. You know, I don't like right. him asking me a bunch of personal questions, mm-hmm. but I'll see what he has to say. So he said to me, he said, um, would you marry me? And I was like, what? He said, would you marry me? I said, is that a rhetorical question or is that a proposal? And he said, that's a proposal. My reaction, exactly. Because I saw no way. What are you talking about? How long? How, you know, wait a minute now. How no, How? I can't even get it out. How long did you know each other? <laughs> uh, okay. Time, All right. Probably about okay. a year. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, we All right. I'm trying. So it's about a year. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I said no. And he said to me, he said, okay, I'll give, you to, I'll give you a week to think it over. And my response was, I don't need a week to think it over because my answer is no. He said, okay, well, I'll just ask your mom and I'll ask your dad. And he did. And their response was, if she wants to marry you, she'll say yes. If she doesn't want to marry you, she'll say no. And my mother, knowing me, said, I have a feeling oh you're gosh. here because she said no to you. And he was like, uh, did she tell you that? And my right. mother was like, there no, you go. but I know my daughter. And I'm pretty sure she said no. And my mother asked him, she said, did she tell you no? And he was like, yes, ma'am, she did. He said, okay, then what do you want us to do? And he said, well, I just want to get your permission because I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep asking wow. until I get a yes. And he did. He asked me two more times, and I was like, you know what? Maybe I should say yes. Maybe that'll shock him, and he'll get cold feet. It didn't. It didn't shock him. I mean, he was just like, okay, I'm just... You know, I know one of these times she's going to say yes. And when I finally said yes, you know, he was like over the moon. I've never heard anything like this in my life. I haven't seen it on a movie, Netflix, nowhere. Wow. Nope. So, you know, we got married and, uh, you know, when he passed away, we've been married for 49 years. So our joke was... Uh, we would tell people when they would ask us, you know, about how old were we when we got married, we would say, well, you know, we were old enough to get married and we raised each other because we were both, you know, 
I was not, I was just about 20 and he was 24. When you got married. So, you know, when we got married, so, you know, we just tell people we kind of raised each other because if mm-hmm. you think about it, we really did, you know, at such a young age, there are so many things in mm-hmm. life that you haven't experienced yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe things you haven't thought about that we experienced later in life. And, you know, fortunately for us, we were a good Amen. team where we supported That's each right. other. We had each other's back. And wow. truthfully, he was my mentor in many ways. Because if you think about mm-hmm. it, he had gone away from home to college. I didn't mm-hmm. do that. So he had that experience. He had the experience of having worked many jobs by wow. the time I started my first job. I didn't have that. So he was able to mentor me in a mm-hmm. lot of different things and in a lot of different ways. And I'm very grateful for that. And I will tell you quite honestly, some of those lessons that I learned from his mentoring mm-hmm. Some of them were quite brutal, well, helpful. but you know what? Amen. I'm very happy that he taught me those things because as he said to me, he said, I may not always be around. He said, but you need to know this and just keep this in the back of your mind wow. because it will serve you That's well. It. When he you gave you little nuggets. He was absolutely right. Yeah. Sounds like you were equally yoked as well. Yes. yes. Which was. We were. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. You know, sometimes he would get on my nerves because mm-hmm. he was a storyteller and a joke teller. I'm the kind of person, if I hear your joke once or twice, I got it. You know, and he would tell the same jokes and stories, you know, over and over and over and over. And I would just roll my eyes because I'm like, oh, can't you tell me something new or different? And he would say, right. but these are my stories and my jokes. And of course, as you can imagine, at that point, I wasn't appreciating the stories and jokes then because as the kids right. say, they were real old right. with me. You want some new I material. For something new. However, yeah, you know, however, looking back on that, you know, we all have our own journey and our own story. And there is no limit to how many times right. we can tell those stories or those jokes. And the reason being is because when you tell those jokes and stories, you right. have no idea how it may help someone else. And, and you know, that was something I had to learn later on because I used to say to him, are you going to tell me that same old tired joke again? And he'd be like, yeah, but guess what? Here I'm going to give go. a new emphasis. Here we I'd go. Like, oh, oh, my geez, goodness. Here we go. Yeah, but, Sounds like he was know, quite a man. Yeah, so I have the opportunity yeah. to meet him. He was quite a man. Yes, he was. Yeah, quite a man. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And, you know, just very humble. What? Yeah. Can you remember back to some instances or an instance in your life, particularly where you needed your faith the most? Like you were at having a tough time with something Where believe being a believer and having a strong faith helped you through that situation. I can, and it was 1985, the summer of 1985. My father called me, told me he was sick. He said, "I need you to come home because I need to mm. talk to you." My father was still residing in Macon, Georgia. And unfortunately, you know, with kids and work and different things, I wasn't able to get there when he wanted me to come. And less than six months later, my father passed away. And I had a tough time reconciling myself with that. I mean, I did eventually go home before he passed. However, he didn't tell me the seriousness of his illness. He had cancer. He, it started with prostate mm-hmm. cancer mm-hmm. and it had metastasized throughout his body. And I knew, you know, when I visited him then, I used to go home at least twice a year, you know. And I would always go see him. We would have meals together, laugh and talk. And I remember the year before, it was probably in November, December of 84, I went home 
and I saw him and he had lost quite a bit of weight. My dad wore a size 54 a suit jacket just to give you some idea of his size. So I'm 5'4", and my dad and I looked each other in the eye. So he's about my height, you know, but he's on, on the heavy mm -hmm. side. And I noticed, you know, he'd lost a lot of weight. And I asked about it. And he said, oh, you know, the doctor's got me on this diet, and uh, my cook is not cooking like she used right. to. You know, we got all this healthy stuff going on. So I'm okay. You know, everything's fine. Well, that was not true. And I, as I said, you know, I didn't know the seriousness of his illness and then I found out after the funeral, we we're at the repast and a lady comes up to me and she says to me, um, you know, I know mm -hmm. Mr. Jackson's daughter because you look just like him. You got his mannerism, everything. Mm -hmm. Just such a sweet young woman. I said, thank you, ma'am. And she said, it's just so sad that, you know, when your dad first got ill, he wouldn't go to the doctor. She said, you know, if he had gone... They might have been able to catch mm -hmm. that prostate cancer and cure or do whatever they needed to do. Wow. And it wouldn't have metastasized throughout his entire body. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty good at keeping a poker face. But when she said that, my facial expression changed. And she was like, oh, you didn't know. And I'm like, no, I didn't know. And she said, I'm so sorry. I said, it's okay. You know, it's, it's okay. I said, you know, my dad had his reasons for not sharing that with me. He's gone. I can't debate that with him. And I just have mm -hmm. to accept it as, you know, he did what he felt was best. But I really struggle with that, you know, and I used to ask God mm -hmm. every day, why did you let that happen? Why didn't you give me a sign that, you know, something yeah. was more serious? Yeah, right. But what can you do? Right. You know, you, right. you just have to accept it as it is, you know. And the second incident was mm -hmm. when I lost my mm -hmm. daughter suddenly, you know, the night before. We're planning her graduation. She's getting her master's in occupational therapy. So being the daughter that she was, you know, she always called and she said, hey, mom, how you doing? I said, great. How are you? I need a good. Tell you what, don't have time for chit chat, but I got your list of um, items that you need to take care of for my party. Mm -hmm. so she runs down the list and gives me my to-do list. And she gives me her dad's to-do list. And I'm like, right. I'll probably end up doing this list. She said, I don't care as long as it's done. Less than 24 hours later, my son-in-law is calling. I can't understand a word he's saying because he's screaming and crying. And, you know, when he finally calms down, he tells me that, you know, they're at one of the local hospitals and I need to get there as quick as I can. And I did. Unfortunately, by the time I got there, she was already gone. You know, no one mm -hmm. would tell us that, you know, they had us sitting in this room. And we've been waiting for over an hour. And I finally said, you know, I'm going to go out and see if I can find someone that can give us an update. And I found a nurse and she said, oh, I'll, you know, I'll go get someone and they'll come and talk to you. She said, just, you know, have a seat. 20 minutes later, the door opens and the first person I see walk through the door is a priest, a Catholic priest. I wow. knew, I knew that immediately behind him was her um, pulmonologist and behind her were the two ER doctors who mm -hmm. had been, you know, trying to save my daughter. And, you know, they all walked in, closed the door and the priest walked over and he said, you have to be the mother because you and your oh, daughter goodness. look like twins. And I said, yes, I'm the mother. And he took my hand and he said, I'm sorry to tell you this. Oh my gosh, he said, but your daughter didn't make it. Mm. And, you know, I'm sitting there going, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I already know she's gone, you know. So, you know, we had prayer and, you know, a little bit of conversation. And they asked, did I need anything? And I said, yes, I need to see my daughter. I need to be able to hug her. And they're like, no, you don't want to see her because, you know, all we mm -hmm. did. I said, please, just clean her up, get her presentable. Mm -hmm. I'm not leaving until I get the opportunity to see my daughter. And they allowed me to see her. And uh, it, it took a lot of strength, physical strength, a lot of spiritual strength for that journey because my husband was devastated. My son was devastated. My son-in-law was devastated. I bet. Her mother-in-law was You just devastated, talked to her the night before, right? As well as other family members. 
I just talked to her the night before, less than 24 hours before. And, you know, everybody else fell apart. And then all of a sudden, everybody's coming wow, to me. What are we going to do? How are we going to get through this? How old was she? So. My goodness. She was 31. She's so young. My gracious. Yeah. 31. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, mm. you know, for me, I had to put the grief aside mm-hmm. and step in and start taking care of business, mm-hmm. you know, talking about the funeral, making plans for that, you know, notifying family and all of that. And, uh, you know, I used to tell my husband at night, you know, when, it, when the phone calls stopped and people were gone from the house, I would say, I'm exhausted. And he would look at me and say, how can you do all of that? Mm-hmm. You, you act like, you know, it doesn't bother you. It bothered me, but someone had to have the, not only the physical, mentally, mentally and emotional mm-hmm. strength, mm-hmm. but the spiritual strength <clears throat> to step up and do what was needed to be done at that time. And I did that, right. you know, and I'm good at compartmentalizing things. So I kind of compartmentalized my grief mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. help us get through what we were going through. And then, you know, probably about nine to 12 months after her passing, I started right. experiencing right. my grief. You know, there were different triggers. For example, you know, she passed in July and she was posthumously mm. awarded her master's degree in December of that year. So the school, um, Shenandoah University, invited us down to receive her graduation mm. pen, which we did. They also took her notes. They said she had the most complete set of notes from all of her classes. They had her notes typed up and put in a library for students in the wow. occupational, program, <clears throat> occupational therapy program to use as study guides. So just, you know, a lot of things went on that mm-hmm. we needed to get through that I knew I couldn't break mm-hmm. down. You know, Absolutely. I still had to be wow. the stalwart if you want. Yeah. So, so yeah. And of course, you know, Anita and I had a dream because at that time I was in between careers. I, you know, retired from AT&T and um, she was going to be an occupational therapist and I was to start school with a pharmacist. And yeah, but, at, you know, once she passed, mm. that my dream just went to the side because to me, there was no longer a need for me to study to become a pharmacist. Because my right. partner wouldn't right. be there. We were planning to go in business Well, that's an, a, a detour that you did not anticipate. Wow. Oh, exactly. my goodness. That's heavy, Deacon. I'm so sorry you went through that. I didn't realize it happened that way. What year was that? What? Yeah, yeah. 2002. Uh, that would be uh, 2002. My goodness. Yeah, 2002. Yes. Yeah. It just, you know, but it's amazing, you know, when you have faith, it's amazing how far your faith and prayer can, does, and will carry you, you know? And uh, as you said earlier, you know, sometimes it doesn't happen, whatever you're asking for in your prayers, it doesn't happen right away. And it can seem like a disappointment. And I had to learn this the hard way. Amen. But, you know, we serve well, an on-time time God. <laughs> That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah. He's an on-time. It's in his time, not our time, you know. And I, you know, and I had to learn that, you know. He's an on-time God, and I just need to be patient and wait for him to move and to reveal That's to it. me, okay, I'm answering your prayer. Hey, absolutely. Yeah. There's levels of this. It's a challenge. The levels are our faith. Learn it. You know, just listening to you about your daughter and your son, I could just hear because I've known you. We've known each other. You, you know, I've known each other for several years, and I could just understand. There are you are definitely your your kids. <laughs> they are your children, one hundred percent. 
So the fact that they recorded <laughs> and and your yes. daughters typed it up because it was so meticulous. That's got Deacon written all over it. <laughs> that's great. That's fantastic. I mean, that's what we want our you know for our kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I actually had the opportunity to uh, visit Shenandoah uh, probably a couple of years wow. after Anita passed, that's and I fair. did see her notes in the library, and uh, I did not know it at the time, but the librarian that I met that day knew my daughter. Mm -hmm. You know, my daughter was a very friendly person, had lots of friends. So that didn't surprise me when the lady said to me, she said, oh, yeah, I know Anita. She come in here. We talk about all kinds of things. She said, but, you know, I think she was in the wrong career field. And I said, oh, what do you mean? She said, let me tell you, she could out talk wow. any warrior I've ever dealt with. I always That's amazing. Well, either way, she <clears throat> clearly she made an impact. Yep. You're a deacon at yes. church. Yes. Has your, I mean, you've been at Martin Luther King Christian for over 40 years. How yes. much has your faith changed? And I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from a perspective of, you know, our, we go higher, like there's levels to it. So clearly your faith now is not different from when you were a teenager, but how has your faith changed with regards to yes. you being an MLK and now being a deacon? <clears throat> My faith has become much stronger over the years being at MLK and being a deacon. As you could probably imagine, over the years, there have been quite a few different people that were members or friends of the church. And, uh, you know, dealing with those people, dealing with mm -hmm. things that mm -hmm. they're dealing mm -hmm. with, sometimes people talk to you in confidence about different issues. You know, and have knowing that and knowing that they're looking at me as someone that they see as very strong in my faith and they're looking to me to try and help them find mm -hmm. a way to find an answer to whatever's troubling them, if you will. And so my faith has grown just by right. leaps and bounds. Exponentially would be a better way to describe it. And also being a deacon, right. you know, we're the spiritual uh -huh. body of the church, as well as the right hand of the pastor. So, you know, we, we need to be mm -hmm. there and be mm -hmm. at that point where we are you know, a help to the pastor, a help to the congregants, a help to the friends of the church, even the community, you know, the surrounding community and outlying communities. That's right. Because our church churches a lot of different people in different communities. So it's very important for people to know that leaders in the church, mm -hmm. you know, deacon board being one of those leadership positions in the church, that these people are you know, spiritually strong, spiritually grounded. And if I, you know, meeting someone else, if they start waving and wandering in their faith and they want to have a conversation with someone who's strongerly right. anchored, then they know they can come Amen. to Amen. someone on the deacon board, whether it's me mm -hmm. or any other deacon on the deacon board, you know, if they choose not to, you know, approach the pastor with them. But it's just, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes I reflect of where I was as a teenager, a 20-something, a 30-something, a 40-something. <laughs> right, and right, now right. I think they say I'm in that Septuagarian club. You know, how far I have come and how strong Absolutely. my faith Absolutely. has increased over that. those different decades. You are, yeah. I would like to say, I would like to think that you're, your fitness, your health, your your dedication to being healthy rival your dedication to your faith. Like you're serious about your fitness. You want to talk about that? <clears throat> I 
Yes, I, I, I am very serious about my fitness. Uh, for many mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. I, I was what people call back then a gym rat. I lived in a gym. Uh, unfortunately, my husband became ill with a terminal disease, and it caused right. me to, if you will, retire from my job at the YMCA mm-hmm. in September of 2014. I became his full-time caregiver. And I took care of him until he passed in November of 2019. So from 2014 to 2019, I did nothing. And it bothered me. However, mm-hmm. my concern and priority at that time was being there for my husband. You know, some people take marriage vows differently. When I mm-hmm. said them, and, you know, when they said to me, you know, and in sickness and you health, for better, for worse, I said I'd be there. And I was there. I was there. You know, so I put myself on the back burner, you know, to make sure I was there for him as his advocate, as mm-hmm. his caregiver, mm-hmm. as his wife, whatever I needed to be that day. You know, I was there for that. And then, you know, he passed away and, um, you know, you go you're going through grief. And one day your mom called me just to check to see how I was doing. And she said, um, she said to me, she said, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I said, before your call, I was watching it inside of my eyelids. And she said, what? I said, I was sleeping. (laughs) And she Mm -hmm. said, "Uh, are you depressed? And I said, no, I'm not. And I wasn't. I said, I'm just tired. You know, I'm physically tired. I'm emotionally tired. And I'm mentally tired. I said, and I think all of that, you know, spending 12, 13, 16 hours a day at the memory care community with my husband took a toll on me. And she said to me, she said, are you exercising? And I said, no, ma'am, I'm not. She said, have you thought about exercising? I said, yes, ma'am, I have. Well, when are you going to start? I said, oh, a couple months. She said, no, 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 no. She said, can I, remember I have that. Really <clears throat> and talk to you? And I was like, uh, yeah. I said, yes, you can. She said, I'm going to tell you why. She right. said, because, uh, Reverend Clyde and I started out working out again mm-hmm. with him. She said, and we feel better. She said, and Deacon, it's very important. She said, for you, particularly the journey you've been on, you know, since September of 2014, caring for your husband by yourself, you know, mm-hmm. you, everything was on you. I think that would be a yeah. good thing for you to do. And it would be good for your health, you know, mental health, physical mm-hmm. health, emotional health. She said, just, just have a conversation right. with him. I remember. I was like, I'm open to that. You've been working out ever since. We chatted. <clears> and that's right. Here we are. What? Over, yeah, over right. three and right. a half years My later. My goodness. Well, not quite. Wow. Three, coming up on a three and a half year mark. Yeah. And, oh, for sure. And as you know, working out with you, there were times <clears> when I wasn't feeling well. <sighs> and I would never say anything to you. I would just you know, do the workout as best I could. And then once you really learned my personality, right, you were right. able to start picking up on days when I really wasn't physically a hundred percent. And you would remind me, you know, mm-hmm. Deacon, yeah. if, you know, if you're not up to it today, that's okay. Your right. body's telling you something. And I'd be like, nah, you know, I can push through this. Yeah. Yeah. And I did yeah. have one period there where I had an episode and it, it went on for a few months and you were like, you know what? We can right. just back off until you get this. And I was like, no, I want well, to it, it has and been an absolute joy working with you um, through all of this. And, you know, you've had, we, we have to get into, thank you, you know, physical stuff, challenges that you, you know, experienced. You nav- we navigated through around um, to where you are today. But, um, it's it's been a pleasure because you are so, I mean, you're driven. It, you, it, I'm, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, probably over thirty years now, and um, <laughs> sometimes people are just quick to just not show up or quit because of stuff. Everyone has stuff, and sometimes people use stuff. To miss a workout, <clears throat> not Deacon. <laughs> it's like, I'm coming. I'm here. Um, 
So it, it's just, it, it, it inspires me, you know? And the other thing is this regarding exercise, you know, as well as I do, because I experienced myself, there've been times when I don't want to work out and I work out anyway. And I always feel better after I work out. Always, you know, we just mentally, the endorphins, we need that release and to reach the tension, the stress, the tightness, all of that, you know, it's a great stress reliever. And obviously at the time, you know, when my mom mentioned it to you, <clears throat> you were going through a lot. <laughs> you had been through a lot. Um, so you needed that, you need that, 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 uh, yes. that outlet, if you will. It, you're welcome. Absolutely. Any nuggets for our audience? Parting words? <clears throat> A couple, couple nuggets. Uh, first, dealing with the physical side of it. No matter who you are and what physical condition you're in, you can always exercise. And I would encourage mm. anyone as people encouraged me over the years, start slowly and build upon that. And if you don't know what to do, you can always <clears throat> reach out to a personal trainer. You know, I've done the, the gym membership routes. Right. They're not for everyone, and they, they were not for mm -hmm. me. Personally, I like working one-on-one -on -one with a trainer, as I do with you, and I did in the past. So don't continue to oh, put your, your physical health on the back burner, because if you don't have your physical health, you don't have anything else. Spiritually, no matter what you're going through or what you've gone through, never forget to pray and always remember that God is always with you. And if he doesn't answer your prayer today, tomorrow, or next week, don't give up because Amen. remember, he's an on-time God and it's in his time. That's where we end, Deacon. That was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Fantastic. It's, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Allow me to take a moment to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and much, much more. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, we hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and to, especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.